Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we're talking with Danielle Fischel Carp. She was Topanga on Boy Meets World. Um, okay, so just to rewind for a second, if you were a baby born in the 80s, a teenager in the 90s, you undoubtedly were watching Danielle on Boy Meets World. It was such an iconic show. It was our wonder years. And it was just so fun to get to see her be a total badass feminist, like, smart, just gave the boys a run for their money on everything. Um, As a young girl, I remember really just wanting her to be my friend. And she is all that and so much more. And now as an adult and an adult with an adorable baby son, Adler, who's eight months old. Um, And today we're going to chat with her about her pretty unconventional birth story and what it's been like for her as a new mom and how she has handled that transition. Uh, You know, you'll, you'll hear that her son had uh, you know, as, certainly as a first time parent, like a, a di- any kind of diagnosis is pretty scary. Very and scary. Um, how she's dealt with it with so much strength and, and positivity. positivity. She's extremely, extremely positive. And really I, love, cool. I love hearing her moments. And she, you know, you can tell that it's real because she has moments where she's like, you know what? And that's when my positivity, you know, went out the window. And then she talks about how she got back up again. So she just exudes this, you know, hope and happiness and calm. Um, that's really enjoyable list to listen to. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. This is a fact. Danielle, we're so happy to have you with us today. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, my name is Danielle Fischel Carp, and I am a new mom to an eight and a half month old son named Adler Carp. And uh, I'm also an entrepreneur who just started a hair care line called Be Free by Danielle Fischel. So you are you live in L.A.? Yeah. Well, you know, what's what's some of your favorite things about raising him and being a new mom in L.A.? Like, do you feel let me ask you this. Do you feel supported as a new mom living in L.A.? Because sometimes we talk about like, you know, it can be it can be very isolating, be very challenging. Yeah. And doing that in New York can sometimes make it more so. Um, what's your what's your transition been like to motherhood in L.A.? Well, my son was born four weeks premature and spent um, three weeks uh, of his life in the NICU. And he had um, a really rare genetic disorder called chylothorax. That is an accumulation of lymphatic fluid in between the lung and the lung cavity. And so the first thing they said to us when we were leaving was like, you need to make sure he doesn't get sick. Because if he gets sick, his lungs could fill up with fluid again. It's just kind of a byproduct of something that could happen with this disorder that he had. And so to add to the isolating nature of being a new mom, I have really like, that's it. You don't really leave the house anymore. And so he basically is in self-quarantine in our house, which is again, now that he has a low-grade fever, I'm like, you don't even leave the house. What did you, how did you get sick? You know, and we haven't been sick, thankfully. Um, But yeah, so it's been, it's been difficult in that regard because there are times that I would think, you know, this would probably be more fun if I took him to go do something. Like instead of us playing with the same toys on the same play mat every day, maybe I should take you to go and to, you know, the place up the street where you could touch things and have paint spill all over the place so that I wasn't worried about the mess in the house. Um, But we haven't really been able to have that experience with him because I haven't wanted him to be around other kids yet. Now, is there a time frame on that? Is that just when he's really little or is this something that he's going to have to be um, cautious of for his whole life? 
It's just for why he's while he's really little. They basically said for the first year of his life, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster where it could come and go depending on illness. Um, for a while, it was it, it was mostly related to breast milk. So breast milk is extremely fatty, oh. and um, the the lymphatic system cleans out. You know, helps remove fatty liquid. And so he had to be on a medicated formula, um, but because you know, we all agree that breast milk is so healthy for babies. They would like put him on this medicated formula. Then he'd be on it for a little while. His fluid would go down in his lungs and they'd say, okay, let's try breast milk then. And then we would slowly start introducing breast milk. And then I'd have to bring him in for an x-ray. The fluid would be back. We'd have to take him off breast milk. And so I was an exclusive pumper for seven months. Um, except for then when he was the short bits of time he was able to breastfeed before then he would have fluid back in his lungs. So it's been a real journey. But luckily you were thrown into it. You were oh, really yeah. thrown into it. Really so was, thrown into see, it. See, I was amazed when you're like, oh, he has a fever for like a couple of days. Like me with my first child at eight months, I would have been like a nervous wreck. But I now I see that you just yeah. have had so much experience during those eight months that you're like, you just you have your you have your process. Yeah. And I know him so well, having been with him through all of these like major, you know, he, he has, when he was born, he had extremely thin little veins. And so they were, there were times where they would have to give him three, I, three or four IVs in a day until eventually we were like, you cannot do this to him anymore. And they, you know, then they gave him a pick line. And so like, we've, we have been like, we know him so well that like when he had that, like I said, just today was the personality change where all of a sudden he was extra fussy. And I'm like, now you're not behaving like yourself. <laughs> this low grade fever wasn't really bothering you before. It was just something I noticed in the fact that he felt warm. But yeah, that is why I probably, if we had a normal birth experience, I probably would have been panicking. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's it's made you tough. That's, well, that's absolutely. Really- and also you... um you know, you seem really like in control with it and that you have, you know, you've had this obviously like great medical care and you really know what to do. What have you yeah. done? Just because as a first time mom, I think a lot of people are thrown in at the deep end and feel like you're just learning as you go. And it's very it can be it can be very overwhelming, even, you know, with with everything going, quote unquote, perfectly. Yeah. Um, what did you do or how do you support yourself through the, I mean, what is undoubtedly a very stressful situation. Yeah. I mean, during that time that we were living in the hospital, I talk about this a lot, but it was really our nurses who like not only were treating our son, but were treating us. One of our nurses who's still very close to us, her name's Cassie Joe, And she used to say to us all the time, have you left the hospital today? And I would be like, well, no, I, I, no, I don't think I have. And she's like, okay, maybe just, maybe you guys should just go for a walk outside. And it's like, what? Really? And I, I did, it felt weird to exit the hospital and be like, there's all this life out here and it's not revolving around, you know, beeping machines. Um, and so that was something we, once we realized how important that was for us and also a way to keep us connected, my husband and I, to something other than the trauma we were experiencing at the time. Um, you know, I, I joke because my husband's a super pop culture nerd. He's aware of everything that's going on. He's a news junkie. And I I basically live under a rock. And sometimes I'm like, don't, you know, he's always on his phone. I'm like, isn't, can't you just let something happen in the world that you not know about? But I was never more grateful for it than when we were going through that. Because if it wasn't for him having things to bring up for us to talk about, we would talk about nothing other than just that. So that's something else I try to do is like remind myself that there are I, this isn't. I don't need to be so myopic and so consumed with this one thing. I can talk about multiple things. Now, does, was this something that you knew while you were pregnant that he was going to have, or this was just a, a complete surprise? 
no, we had actually, we had a completely uneventful pregnancy. Like every checkup, every ultrasound, everything was, you know, everything looks great. Everything looks great. Um, you know, and then my water broke early. I was working, I was directing a TV show and it was the night before our live studio audience taping. And I came home and I said, my gosh, today I really feel that like end of the pregnancy run. I was, you know, almost that full nine months. So I was 35 weeks and uh, I was so swollen and I hadn't really experienced that up until that point. And I was like, man, I just don't feel, I finally am starting to feel like I don't feel good. I feel right. like an extremely pregnant lady. <laughs> uh, and that night my water broke. And again, with my normal, like everything works out, everything's fine. I just thought we're a little shy of 36 weeks. So he may have to spend a night or two in the NICU depending on his weight. But, you know, we know we've got a healthy baby. We had an ultrasound just nine days before and it was everything looks great. Um, and it wasn't then until we went in um, to the hospital and my OBGYN did another ultrasound. And um I was bummed because I was going to have to be in the hospital for a few days. I was basically like, my birth plan didn't include going into the hospital this early. I was the stupid birth plan. Um, but my husband noticed that my doctor, her face changed. And he was like, what's going on? What's going on? And she said, I, I'm noticing fluid. And at the time, she thought it was fluid around his heart. And uh, she said, I, you know, I, I need to get to a better ultrasound machine to read these results. But it wasn't until really the next day when we had another ultrasound that they told us what he had. And we didn't know what we were in for. They said he may be born and not be breathing. And we'll have a helicopter waiting on the roof of our hospital to take you to Children's Hospital if that's what it comes to. And um, we'll have a triage in your delivery room. Um, the NICU nurses and doctors will all be here, but we will probably most likely have you deliver him and then we will take him from you. And he'll either be in a helicopter on his way to Children's Hospital or he'll go down to our NICU immediately. Wow. Yeah. And how was your how was your birth after that? I mean, with that kind of that kind of stress level, were you were you just like everything's going to be positive? And is that just your personality? I am a really yes, I'm a really positive person. But honestly, I was not positive that night. That night that we went in and my water broke, and they were like, "So we're going to put you on sodium magnesium to stop." Because I also had I wanted to have a totally natural childbirth. Um, I had taken a natural childbirth, uh, you know, birthing class. I was I, again, my birth plan was ready to go, uh, and now I was on sodium magnesium which made me feel terrible. I, I was like a thousand degrees. My, my skin was very flushed. I just didn't feel good, but they wanted to buy me as much time, um, to get, you know, the steroid shots in me. So that Adler's lungs had time to develop a little bit more. And also there was, my water wasn't my, when my water broke, it wasn't like a rupture. It was mm -hmm. like a slow trickle. And so there was still enough fluid that they were like, if he, as long as there's enough fluid for him to be doing well inside you, we're going to keep him there for as long as possible, maybe a week, maybe two. And I was wow. like, I'm going to be on sodium magnesium in this hospital for possibly a couple of weeks. Um, and so that night I was not positive. I was just okay. a sobbing mess. And we called my OB and we said, you know, are you coming back to the hospital? And she said, to be honest, I really need you guys to just be alone together tonight. You've taken in a lot of information and I want you to start mourning very quickly. The fact that you're not going to have the birth plan or the birth that you thought you were going to have. That is, that needs to be dealt with before we take any further steps forward. And so we we did. We did that that night, just the two of us kind of sobbing together. And we took turns being strong without even being like, it's your turn now. It just kind of <laughs> naturally happened, you know, that one of us would be feeling really positive and upbeat while the other one totally broke down. And then the other one would break down and the other one would be like, I've, I've got the pep talk. Here <laughs> it is. That's when you know a relationship <laughs> That's is amazing. Good. Yeah. We really, we really somehow, I mean, that nothing, nothing made me more sure of my relationship with my husband and going through that. Wow. It was like, 
you're my person for sure. And um, yeah, so that was that part was good and bad. It brought us very close and we did definitely mourn it. We had to do it quickly. Um, and then so I was on sodium magnesium from Thursday night to Sunday morning. And wow. on Sunday morning, they said, you need to be induced now because now the amount of fluid that I had was getting kind of low. And so then they induced me. And so then we started Pitocin. And um, I was on Pitocin for, I don't even know how long, a very long time. That started at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And by seven or eight o'clock that night, my contractions were about a minute and a half apart. And they were like, how are you feeling? And I said, I would call it now, you know, my, if I were out walking around, I would probably say I need to sit down. That's probably <laughs> where I am now. I would need to say like, I need to sit at this point. But before then it was just- Now, are you using this tone of voice or were you a little bit more- um, no, no, dramatic. I was that tone of voice because really <laughs> I kept waiting for it to get really, I kept waiting for contractions to get really super strong. Wait, did you have pain meds or like that? Because I've been on Pitocin no. before and for me, it you was like it after, no epidural after 12 hours of Pitocin, I was ready to like murder somebody. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was. And that's what everyone said. So they, everyone was looking at me like, hmm, okay, <laughs> well, we don't really know what to say about what you're saying now. And and so at, then they said, well, we need to know if you want an epidural. And I said, well, right now my answer would be no, but I also like don't really know what I'm in for. And they said, well, your anesthesiologist has three scheduled C-sections between now and 6 a.m. and he won't do an epidural in between them. So you either, you need to decide right now, do you want an epidural or do you want to do it naturally? And I was like, well, I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I've already been on sodium magnesium. I've already now had Pitocin. Am I really going to make this decision now to not, what if I really, really want it? And I said, okay, then let's go ahead and do the epidural. And so then at that point I had the epidural. Um, and then again, my normal positive spirit kind of turned. I was like, why did I decide to do this? I really didn't like that. I didn't like the way that felt. I can still feel everything on one side. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then he was born at four, four, four thirty something the next morning. Wow. Well, I will say as someone who also like for my first birth had a very different birth plan from what ended up actually being the reality um, and had that Pitocin experience for so long. And the reality is also anybody can handle anything. It's not you seem like you can handle everything, but anyone can handle anything if you have a set number to it, like do 10 sprints. You know, you have to handle this for seven seconds Absolutely. more. But when they tell you you could be feeling this level of pain for 10 minutes or 10 hours or whatever, you know, that's yeah. when my brain is really like, what? You know, I need I, I don't know that I can do that interminably. And what was really crazy is once I got the epidural was when my body with with Philo, I actually was able to go to sleep and then woke up and pushed mm. and then she was out. But it it was almost like I was clenching until I got the yeah. epidural. And I was not going to let this baby out. And then after <laughs> that, afterwards, it was like, oh, OK, you're allowed. Oh, this um, is what it's supposed to yes, feel like. This is what yeah. it's supposed to feel like. And it, she could move down and get into, you know, birthing position and everything. Um, But I do think it's it's just I I'm so impressed with how you and your husband. What's your husband's name, by the way? I feel like now Jensen I, Carp. Jensen. I feel is Jensen Carp. Yeah. All of it together, or just, no, no. Just Jensen just, is his first name. Okay. His last name's Carp. <laughs> okay. um, I feel like you know to have gone through the journey to becoming parents together, and um, and going to becoming parents together in such a rapidly evolving situation um, and to have been so supportive for each other. I love that you said, you know, you've never been so sure of your marriage and also of your ability to parent together, probably as seeing him deal with stress and having him be able to support you in such a yeah. nurturing and intuitive way, like just that he knew when you needed him to step up and that he could also be himself processing, which of course he is. How yes. have you like carried that through now eight months deep? You know, what does what does marriage look like for you guys now? 
Well, it's funny because shortly after we had Adler home, so he spent the first three weeks of his life in the NICU and then we brought him home. Um, it was maybe a week in that I went into being an expert, apparently, thought I was an expert. I was a self-proclaimed expert. And I started treating, without realizing it, I started almost being like, oh, come on, this is how you do that. Didn't I didn't mean to be that parent that was like, here, just give him to me. I know what I'm doing. And <laughs> like a week after having him home, Jensen looked at me and goes, Danielle, you have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea what I'm doing either, but you also have no idea what you're doing. So please just cut me some slack because you're not an expert. And I was like, hmm, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I am not really sure why I'm acting like this is just, everybody knows this. Um, so I have tried to, first of all, let him trust his instincts, which has been a really big thing. He he does second guess himself all the time. There's so many things that come naturally to a mom and intuitively to a mom that doesn't necessarily come as intuitively to a dad. And not for all fathers, but certainly, at least with, with my husband, there were things he just felt awkward. He felt awkward holding him, trying to feed him a bottle. And he was like, where, you know, this was uncomfortable for him. And, and it was like, just, you'll figure it out. It's okay. The baby's okay. But when he felt like there was me or someone else there who was quick to jump in and take over for him, that was his, like, here, let me let you do it. And once I started saying like, just trust your instincts, you'll figure it out. Um, and he, once he started trusting, that's, that was really beautiful to see. And now he's in a place where he can be very confident and I feel very confident leaving him alone with Adler for several hours. And, you know, I come home and he's like, he napped at the right, you know, I put him down for a nap at the right wow. time. And he's like, he, he, he trusts himself now, which is great. That's, that's amazing. amazing. I still don't do that with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up as a very famous person and, and definitely as a heartthrob for, for many <laughs> For many boys, are there out female there. heartthrobs? I wonder. I, 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 is that a thing? Is that? I mean, I, it is now. I like I, it. Uh, okay, I just made it. Me, who had never had a TV my entire life, and <laughs> you know, daughter of two hippies. Um, I am calling you a heartthrob. Well, definitely, okay, definitely. You. The, the, yes, a, a sex symbol, a heartthrob. A yeah, but when you're little, you don't want to be with. Like, it sounds funny. When she was younger, we don't want to say a sex creepy. symbol. That's true, creepy, true, Daphne. Right. Daphne true. going into creepy territory. I, oh my god! Let's go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. <laughs> Heartthrob it is. We're gonna stick with heartthrob. Um, you know, now that you're entering motherhood, or no, you've entered motherhood, and you're in that first year, and you think about raising your son and any other potential children that you may or may not have. Um, what do you, what do you think about having them enter the business as well? And would you want them to kind of live your path if that's something they're interested in, or would you be like, you know what, I want you to have. A, a little bit more of a traditional childhood? If I had my druthers, he would have a more traditional childhood and traditional upbringing. Not because I had any bad, you know, like bad experiences. I actually was extremely lucky and was surrounded by people in the industry that really looked after us. We, you know, none of the kids on our show were, um, you know, we, we had, a, we were really lucky. But I, not everyone is that lucky. And now with social media, and it's just such a different world. Um, but at the same time, I really believe that like kids tell you who they are, and you have to let them show that to you. And so I'm going to 
leave the possibility open without encouraging it one way or the other, um, which is hard too, because like I look at him and he's, I think he's like so beautiful. And I'm like, how's this kid not going to be a model? <laughs> um, and I'm like, should I get him an agent? And I'm like, no, okay. I'm, that would clearly be choosing a path for him. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, if I had my druthers, no. But if that's what he wants to do, I can't stop it. Was Boy Meets World your first job? Was that your- It was my first like permanent job. I had done a bunch of commercials when I was 10. And then I did two episodes of Full House uh, when I was 11. And then I got Boy Meets World when I was 12. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, very, very young to have that much responsibility and a profession and, you know, people relying on you and all this stuff. It like, undeniably, there are negatives to it as well. But it seems to me like it gave you this real sense of just, I mean, the wherewithal that you've got that you just talked to us about how you're going through your birth process, like it feels it's really do you feel like that was part of um, that, that helped to shape your personality as someone who feels pretty capable in life and pretty like positive and handle stress? And I mean, all of these things that we worry about when we look to raise confident, happy children in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's actually one of the real benefits to the job that I had working in the entertainment industry is I had to trust myself because even though my mom was required to be on set, it was a really, you know, um, it was basically a hands-off process. I had a job. I had to perform my job well. When I didn't perform my job well, I got, you know, notes. And and um, well, I mean, the first week that I was there, I was literally told, if you don't come back to work doing this totally differently tomorrow, you won't have the job anymore. Um, And, you know, like, so that was a lot to, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. What did you do with that? What did you do with that? Like negative feedback, quote unquote, how did you process that? Well, I cried the entire car ride home. And then when we got home, my mom was like, listen, this is you, you are totally capable. It's just a matter of working really hard for it. So you and I will stay up as late as it takes tonight going over your lines. I'll work with you on what the notes were. And we did. I think we stayed up until pretty late. I don't remember exactly a time, so I don't want to say something that isn't true, but we stayed up really late. And my mom working on my, one of the notes was that I was talking too fast, which is just who I am as a person. And the character Topanga was a flower child and she was very slow talking. And, you know, she said things like peace when she left a room and and they were like, you know, you're way too much Danielle and not enough Topanga. And so my mom just would say to me, no, you said that too fast. And it was like, I felt like I was talking through molasses, but we worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And um, I went back the next day and I did it the way my mom and I had rehearsed the night before. And that night uh, when we had our note session, instead of the stern talking to, I was given a standing ovation and told this is exactly what we wanted and everybody clapping. And I like burst into tears and, and it went really well. But so I think that helped with, you know, my confidence in knowing that I'm capable of, of doing difficult things. What was it like for you getting to spend that kind of quality time with your mom also? I mean, you just, it was, must've been so bonding for you guys to get to be, a, and, and also a lot of work for her. I mean, I think about that sometimes just, you know, on set all the time. So much work for her because also one of the things that happened when I first started the show was I had, you know, hair all the way down to my butt and uh, they wanted it to be kind of crimped looking without being crimped. And so my mom would, we'd wash, I'd wash my hair at night and then my mom would braid my hair in the tiniest of sections. I mean like this, this small, she would do my entire head of hair in braids. Then I would sleep on it that way, wet. And then the next day, the hairdressers would take it all out of the braids. And my mom did that for, I don't know how many months until finally she was like, um, I'm not getting paid as a hairdresser. And this (laughs) takes up a lot of our 
time. And they were like, okay, yeah, you don't need to do that anymore. And I'm pretty sure we then went to a crimping iron, <laughs> like just, you know, the easiest, the easiest solution for it. But yes, my mom was, um, my mom and I are, are still very close, but especially through my teenage years, my mom and I were very close and I felt comfortable telling her everything. She said when I was really young, she told me, listen, I may not like everything you're going to tell me. As a matter of fact, I'm probably not going to like a lot of the stuff that you tell me over the next however many years of your life. But what I promise you is that I will accept it and I will be as mild-mannered about it as I can be. The only thing I cannot handle is a lie. If you lie to me, everything is off the table and I everything then changes. Our relationship changes. The rules you have change. I no longer trust you. So that's the one thing I ask is just don't lie to me. Whatever comes up, I promise to handle it. And I I tested her on that. I was like, okay, if you're going to say that, I'm going to come to you then with everything and we're going to see how this goes. And she really, she stuck to her promise. Wow. Um, and so we were we were very close my entire life, have been very close. We still are. She's that's alive. That's good advice. <laughs> I, like, I love that. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. Me I'm going to go home and have that conversation with my children. Be like, never lie good. to me. Yeah. It's, it's the one thing that then changes everything. So you direct as well. Yeah. I've been directing for the last few years. I've done about 20 episodes of children's TV in the last two years. Um, and I love it. It's been a real natural second part of my career. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure nobody, nobody knows it better than, than you who knows what it's like to, to be in that situation. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it so rewarding for me is the fact that I'm working with, you know, kids that are anywhere from six to 16 years old. And, um, I really truly know what it feels like to be in their shoes and to have the amount of pressure on their shoulders that they have. And yet, you know, also this is fun and it should be fun. It is, it, it is also a job and it needs to be professional, but it also, you know, we're not performing, like we're not doing brain surgery here. Like we can really enjoy right. ourselves and make this a nice experience for your young life. Okay. Not to be the creepy one again, apparently. <laughs> But, um, but Daphne's but, never but, creepy, by the no, way. No, never. But I, but I do want to ask, only because it's now it's drawing parallels to me for like raising kids in the Instagram generation. You did grow up precocious yes. for how young you were. That like kids and people knew who you were first of all, and undeniably, I will, I will volunteer this information. All the men in this room are like, we watched her growing yeah, up. We thought she was so excited. And they I, all have questions. And Aww. and I loved Boy Meets World. And I I feel like you were very much like a girlfriend for the girls, and and undeniably, and a love interest for the guys. And heartthrob. at heartthrob, heartthrob, thank you. And, and um, <laughs> sex symbol. And um. I'm curious how you, if you ever felt like you had to be conscious of that or process that in a way that maybe, I mean, you know, it's just it's something I think about all the time with how how will my kids come of age, quote unquote, and get to know themselves in this way and in, in a time where everyone sees them on Instagram, on social media constantly, which you were kind of a rarity in, in our generation growing up. It wasn't the case yeah. for every kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, ugh, I really cannot imagine what it would have been like for me had there been social media when I was that age, because, you know, the, at least the evolution that I have gone through as a woman who, you know, I don't think really processed what it meant or what it felt like to be a heartthrob at a young age until I was in my 30s, I'm going to be honest. And really when that happened was when I went back to do Girl Meets World, uh, 
we did the reboot of it. And I, you know, that started in 2013. And it wasn't until I was now going to revisit this character as a mom, this character was now a mom and had been a wife for a long time. And, uh, I started kind of revisiting things from the original show that I had maybe like blocked out as being basically the sexualization of my character. Mm -hmm. And she, by the way, wasn't just a heartthrob. She was very smart. She was a straight A student. She was a total feminist, like the earliest feminist I could remember seeing on TV, certainly as a kid. Um, And so it's not that she was just that, but she was also that. And it wasn't something that I wanted to revisit as an adult. It was something that I was like, maybe that was an inappropriate way to portray that one aspect was an inappropriate way to portray this girl. And who was me? (laughs) And, uh, And so I was, I kind of went through a total like midlife crisis about it where every, I was like paranoid about anything being being sexualized. Like I didn't, I just didn't want to do it. I wore a lot of long sleeves on that show. I didn't show any skin. I, um, and I'm still now way more conservative in the way I dress than I was as a young person, as a young person, you know, right after Boy Meets World ended and it was 1999 or 2000. And I, you know, I went out in skimpy clothes and I just, now my, I'm so much more comfortable in my skin now. And that involves not needing to show a lot of skin. And that's different for every person. There's not a, showing a lot of skin is not bad. That's not at all what I'm saying. Uh, completely covering up is not bad uh, or the best way to be for everyone. It's just it's you. what I, you found, it's you me. Found, you found yourself. Exactly. And uh, I did feel like that a little bit with the girls on the show. I feel very protective about the shows that I work on and the kids that I work with about, you know, um, they have a desire to put everything out there on the internet, but maybe someday you're not going to feel that same way. And so that's what I try to tell people all the time is what you feel right now may not be what you feel later, but the internet is forever. Um, and so just, you know, take a deep breath, count to 10, maybe sleep on it, maybe sleep on it for a couple of days before, before you post, post that picture, yes. before you before you do that and see if you still feel the same way. Good advice. Yeah, Noel, they're definitely very lucky to have you. Um, we have heard that you are a uh, shoe fan. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we are shoe fans. Oh. Um, and so we would love to talk about your shoe fan, fan-ness. Fan- yes. Fandom. Fan- fandom. 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 Okay. You know what? I make up words. No, no. Yeah. Uh, so when I was young, I was big into high heels, like couldn't get enough high heels. I had a million of them. I thought it was like that. I wore them during the day. I wore them at night. And then I became a mom and was like, I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> They're no longer comfortable the same way they are. And I've always loved tennis shoes. And so over the last maybe two years, I have really like completely transformed my shoe closet from being a high heeled paradise to being a sneaker paradise. Ooh. And I love it. I'm on the sneakers app. I shop on StockX. I find very colorful, unique, um, exciting ways to like show my personality through tennis shoes. And I just, yeah, it's, it's, it makes me so happy. <laughs> How fun though. And you're absolutely right. Like I think a statement 
sneaker is is yeah. like a mom staple at this point. Do you miss flower hats and butterfly clips? <laughs> <laughs> no. There are so many things from the 90s I do not miss. Although I am happy scrunchies came Scr- back. Yes. I, know. Yes, I have right. I oh I was wearing mine yesterday. So I had good. these faux fur scrunchies from um <sighs> from Free People. And oh, I, I love it. Love them. So fun. Yeah. I'm so glad scrunchies came back. But speaking of hair and scrunchies, and I love I love a scrunchie because it doesn't leave a crease and it's I think it's more gentle on your hair. But yep. you actually just launched a hair care line. It's B3. It's vegan. And and yeah. now can you talk? I mean, you also launched it like in tandem with having a baby. Can you talk about that process? Why um why you wanted to create this line and what that was like? Yeah. I mean, I I truthfully did not set out to create a hair care line. That wasn't on my radar. What was on my radar was after I went to my first doctor's appointment where they let you hear your baby's heartbeat for the first time, I walked out and was like, oh, wow, there's another, there's life inside me. And I had always been, as far as my beauty products were concerned, ignorance is bliss. Don't want to know. If I like it, I, this is, I want to use it. Um, and I then very suddenly felt like I need to at least do a little bit of research about what I'm using. And, um, I went through my makeup routine and I realized there are a lot of really great natural alternatives for some of the makeup I had been using. And I figured it was going to be very easy to figure out if there was a natural um, hair care line that I could use. And I started the laziest way by just asking my best friend what she was using because she has very health conscious and has kids. And she said, well, I can tell you what I'm using, but I don't like it. So I'm not recommending it. And I was like, no, then that's good. I'll, I'll find something else. And I asked around and nobody was really happy with what they were using or they were still using the stuff they had been using before that they knew wasn't good. Um, so then I Googled it, ordered a bunch of products, just truthfully really did my due diligence and didn't find anything that I loved. And so I kind of in my head created this thing I'll call the crunchy scale, which was like, well, where do I fall on the crunchy scale? Like on this end of the crunchy scale, there's 100% natural and 100% organic products that don't lather and, you know, I didn't really like this end of the spectrum as much because I like my shampoo to lather. And um, I wasn't there, but I also wasn't on this end, which was like, who cares what's in the products? Mm-hmm. So I then set out to develop a line that was closer to the crunchy end of the spectrum, but not all the way there. It is not 100% natural, but there are no toxins in it. There's nothing in it that's going to harm you. Um, there are essential oils, so it has a smell, but it's synthetic fragrance-free. There's no harmful fragrance in it. It's vegan. It's cruelty-free. It's made in the United States. Um, and uh, yeah, it's color safe. Um, and yeah, it was it was a real like labor of love. We went back and forth with the lab with what's in, you know, what are the ingredients in this? Let me research all of them. Now I'm not comfortable with this one. Change it for this. And I finally found something that I'm really, really happy with. And the response has been great. Incredible. Is this something that um, you would use on kids as well? Or is it It's not tear free. So although there's nothing in it that's harmful to kids, if you are still washing a child's hair that, you know, where there's any, exactly. It's not tear free. So that's my one caveat for that. Is it called be free? It's called be free by Danielle Fischel. I love that. I have to check. Yeah. I I wanted you to be free of toxins, be free from worry and be free to look your best. That's so, that's so clever. Um, No, I definitely want to check it out because I'm big into, into more natural products. Um, we ask here on MomBrain what your favorite thing is. Okay. I just bought a new product by a company called OSEA, and it is a purifying vitamin C like mask. It's an exfoliator. Mm. And I don't usually use a lot of that stuff. I'm not like a, 
I don't have a ton of products I use. I'm pretty much like wash my face, use some argon oil at night, a little Vaseline, and I'm good to go. Um, but this stuff made my skin feel the softest my skin has ever felt wow. in my entire life. And the wow. one thing I will say is that it smells terrible. <laughs> and while I was using it, I was saying, I'm like, Jensen's in the shower next to me and I'm going, uh-uh, no way. No, no. This is disgusting. This smells so bad. And then I rinsed it off and I was like, worth it. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. And I did not think that was going to be my reaction. So it smells bad. But boy, let me tell you, your skin feels, I felt, I was the closest my skin has ever felt to Adler's. Like, I felt like I wow. did. Wow. That's, I'm going out I know. Right I want to try it, especially my... if it doesn't smell good and you still like it. That's, that's exactly. Very, I'm that still recommending very, it. Very <laughs> only, only because you just said your husband was in the shower, presumably next to you while you're putting your mask on. Yeah. How do you guys keep your romance alive with a newborn? How do you like? Oh, does what? that not sound romantic to it you? It sounds very romantic. <laughs> Here's my stinky mask. Kiss me. Like. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, we haven't quite figured that part out yet. We also haven't figured out the date night situation mm. yet. We are still in a real like family time with us together is, is just we love it. It's it's everything. We haven't really quite figured out what our groove is as far as like time away from the baby. At first, I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a date night. And the rules are we can't talk about the baby. No, I, we've never gone more than five minutes without showing him a picture, showing each other pictures of something that he did or said or, you know, whatever earlier in the day. And so um, we truthfully haven't figured that part out yet. I'm not sure what the what it's going to look like as he gets older, but I think He's been so the center of our universe. We'll fi- you'll, you'll figure it out. I, I do the time. whole picture thing too. I mean, they literally, like, you cute. can't wait till they go to bed. <laughs> exactly but, and, then, and then you're like, you look at them and then you're like, you're looking at you. pictures. You're like, I miss you so much. One thing that <laughs> I've heard recently from a, another mom who has a, I think seven or eight month old, is she and her husband do day dates, which I think is really interesting. A, because oh, it's good. like, you know, they have a sitter and that was like a efficient way to use the time that they had her for. But also because they could do something active together, like physical active. And she was trying to, you know, just be, be more physical. So they would go to hikes and you obviously live in LA. They would do hikes together or like a bike ride. And then they would have a quick lunch or they would do a quick lunch. That's a great idea. Which was really cute. Cause I think sometimes at night also you're exhausted. Like you've just put him down and you're not your best self. It's not your best self. Of course. So I thought that was a very sweet, like a nice idea for, you know, a newborn parent. That works for us really well too. Cause Jensen does morning radio here in LA. So he's up at four 15. Oh wow. So like we are in bed trying to go to sleep by 8.30, you know, <laughs> like night night dates are like dinner at 5 p.m., you right. know, so a day date really works for us. I'm going to steal that. Wonderful. Right. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. This was thank really you guys. Fun. It was awesome thank to chat you, with thank you. Thank you. Yay. All right, guys, that was Danielle. Um, I love that she's uh, like into sneakers now. Like I, I mean, I'm currently wearing sneakers and I, I never thought I was a heel person just like her and I still am a heel person. I don't want to use the was because I still am, but I also do wear sneakers, which I like other than working out, I wouldn't have worn that, um, before, but I just find her to be very inspiring, especially as a, as a first time mom and, you know, being as strong as, as she, as she has, you know, as she is, um, it's, uh, I feel like it's, it's rare. Um, I definitely wasn't as put together as that. No, it, it's, you know, but it's really, it does go to show you what, uh, you know, we've talked a few times on the show about, um, about giving kids ways to feel 
self-sufficient, self-reliant, responsible, able to overcome difficulties early on enough in life that that develops as, a, as an adult skill. And so it was really cool to get to hear from her about how she, you know, dealt with negative feedback, dealt with needing to perform, dealt with all the things that she dealt with as a prof- young professional. I mean, you know, starting in the acting world and, and et cetera, from you know the age of 10 on and how much that clearly has prepared her for anything that's come up in her life and also made her, it sounds like pretty, you know, pretty game to try things, which I also really want for my kids. I want them to be like to run at life and to say yes to lots of things. And just so cool that she, you know, saw a need for a hair care line that she wanted and just did it, you know, and there, there's just, I always, I'm very inspired by those stories where I think that, you know, moms are, moms have this opportunity when, when we're feeling creative and feeling like we're capable of something or feel like we need something um, that we don't currently have in our, in our lives that we feel capable to go out and give it a try. I thought that was very cool. Just figure it out. And now it's time for our favorite thing. Now it's time for our favorite things. Oh, yeah. So my favorite thing today, since we're talking about scrunchies with Danielle, is my favorite faux fur scrunchie. Um, I found these scrunchies on Free People, and they come in lots of amazing colors, and people are always asking me what they are when I'm wearing them. Um, and they're just, like, soft, and they don't, as Daphne was saying during the interview, they don't crease your hair, and they're, like, super cute. I love all things faux fur when they're when they're soft and yummy. Um, this one is either $8 or 3 for 12 I obviously did the 3 for 12 because I'm obsessed and wanted to have a million. I did 3 to of for 12 like many times over because I love these scrunchies so that is my favorite thing love it and now I had something else as a favorite thing but you're making me inspire you you inspired me love it and I want to tell you guys about my favorite scrunchie because it does two for two reasons I so I love the slip silk classic large scrunchie and also the slip silk skinnies scrunchie set we'll link to both of them because guys, so I have a lot of, I have really thick hair and I, um, you know, when I get it done, I want to make it last because it takes a while to do it. And I just, you know, and when I don't do it now, I don't know about you guys, but especially post babies, my hair, um, and I spend a lot of time down in Florida, my hair can be very dry and it gets a little bit like frizzy and crazy looking. So I do my mask, I do my, I take good care of it, but when I get it done, I want it to last. And so, um, and I take a shower morning and night and I like, Whatever, this is a lot of detail. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I put my hair up and I, I love don't it. Tell want me more. To, Tell me more, Daphne. I love a good hair care thing. I love it. Well, I put my hair, I like roll it and I put it up in a bun. And I find that with other, with either really tight elastic hair ties, it leaves a crimp. Mm-hmm. And with very loose ones, it falls out. And then you're in the middle of the shower with like soap on and you can't put your hair back up without touching it. And then the, the curls go away. So, I love these scrunchies because they're strong enough to hold my lots of my thick hair and they stay in place, but they do, they're they're not so tight that they crimp your hair. And that silk apparently is much more, you know, delicate and gentle on the hair. It doesn't break the strands. But the skinny ones I'm obsessed with for my girls because for both Philo, who has thin fine hair, and Nika, who has really thick hair, it holds both of them and it doesn't pull on their strands and they don't like fight me when I'm going to put their hair up or put it down. And um anyway, it's just been I I have like hundreds of them it feels like they're all over my house all the time because we're always looking for hair things um and it's just it's absolutely one of my hair go-tos now can i tell you my hair in the shower trick yes okay. this is so fun. so fun welcome okay, to, so shower time. to shower time <laughs> keeping a blow dry in the shower okay so i used to do like the hair 
cat cap. What is yes, it called? A, a hair shower cap. cap. But I would find because they are water resistant that the the humidity Gets can trapped. go underneath and then it'll still make it kind of frizzy. And then I would find that anytime I and whether my hair is long or short or whatever, all the many different variations that I have of my hair at all times, I would find that even if I like put it up in a bun, it would still kind of like mess with it. So you know that like towel trick that you like you the know turban when you, the turban like when you bend forward and put the and put the towel around your hair I do that with dry hair with the towel and then I find that it actually absorbs the humidity into the towel while I'm in the shower wait that's really I cool I know and you know how it happened is that I couldn't find my shower cap and I was like oh god I gotta do this so that's I did this that's a great idea and then I loved it and you know 10 years later never went back I love this plan so now the only issue is my head's enormous. So I'm trying to think, it's like, is it a bath sheet that I would yeah, use that use would actually stay in place? And then you just move it to the side when you're showering. And then afterwards, because sometimes it can start to like pull back yeah. a little bit, you can take like a very like fine, like a very thin um, straightening iron. And if you have just like the curly hair pieces. or something like that, or it gets like funny, just like literally just do the very front parts and then you're fine. I love but that. But the actual blowout is still good. So that's that's my go-to. And it's it's easy. It's fast. Brilliant. There you guys go. There you go. Hair, right. hair for days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Mom Brain, that's the show. <laughs> and, and we are, as you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, of course. Um, most importantly, we love to be able to speak to more and more moms who are in this phase of life with us or beyond it or getting into it or interested in it or just want to hang and like listen to girlfriends chat. So please tell your friends and don't forget it means so much to us to to have your rates, to have your reviews, to have you subscribe. And of course, we love hearing from you, mombrainpod at gmail.com. And we'll chat with you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.